0: Welcome to One Chapel. We're a family of neighborhood churches in the Austin area. Our vision is to help people move from where they are to where God wants them to be. It's a place to connect, grow, and serve the communities where we live. You can learn more about One Chapel and how to get involved at onechapel.com. And now, here's this week's message. All right, guys, if you did not get message notes when you came in, just raise your hand up real high, and the ushers are going to come down. They will see your uplifted hand and gr- throw some message notes and some pins at you. Just raise your hand up nice and high, and they will, they will get those to you. Okay, on Mount Athos, 2,000 meters above the Aegean Sea, there are bearded Orthodox monks they've been do- are doing something that they have done for 1800 years. You know what they're doing? They're praying. 11 miles north of Lagos, over a million Nigerian Christians are gathering at the Redeemed Christian Church of God. That's a lot of people. Over a million people. You want to know what they're doing? That's a prayer meeting. They're praying. Most cities in the United States today and tomorrow And every day, there are people gathering in small groups to lift up the name of Jesus, and they're speaking words. They are praying to God. In Jerusalem, at the Wailing Wall, Hasidic Jews, dressed in black, are rocking to and fro, fervently doing what? They're praying. You know, guys, on Easter Sunday, it is believed that one in four people in the world are saying the Lord's Prayer, prayer. Abraham Lincoln said this about prayer. I've been driven many times upon my knees by the overwhelming conviction that I had nowhere else to go. My own wisdom seemed insufficient for that day. President Abraham Lincoln. David Grohl, rock star, the Foo Fighters, when his, one of his band members was in a coma, not a religious person at all, but he found himself doing something that came natural. He said, I would talk to God out loud as I was walking. He was praying. From presidents to rock stars, to people at every place around the globe. Do this thing that we all know so well that we call prayer. And on the surface, I think we get it. I think it's pretty universal. I think we understand it. It's a moment of silence. It's a cry for help. It's a sigh of disillusionment. But honestly, in reality, when we start to peel it away and try to understand what it is, it can be a little confusing. Prayer, is God really listening to me? Do my prayers really make a difference. How do I do it? What's the best method? How do I pray? I kind of like this story about a Sunday school class where the Sunday school teacher asks her students, hey, does anybody know how to pray? And a little boy shoots up his hand and he says, oh, that's easy. All you do is say, dear God, you chat a few words to him and say, amen. That's prayer. Sounds pretty simple, doesn't it? But maybe there's something to that wisdom of that little boy that is actually true. Or maybe you have felt like me a few years ago, actually many years ago now, was hired at a church, and I was hired as an associate pastor. But I was pretty young to be an associate pastor, and I, but I felt confident in all the different things that I was being asked to do. And I thought, of all the things to do prayer, I get that. I know prayer. But I was asked to lead a prayer meeting before a church service with the prayer team. And I was totally unprepared for what I saw. I realized that as far as prayer went, I was kind of playing Pop Warner football, prayer, Little League prayer. And then when I went to that meeting, I encountered some people that they were like NFL style prayer. I was so intimidated. They seemed to know exactly what to say. They seemed to have a direct connection with God. They seemed to be able to speak his very words. And I'll be honest with you, I was kind of scared. I was kind of intimidated by prayer. I thought I knew prayer, but I didn't know prayer the way those folks know prayer. Maybe that's a little bit, you can relate to that maybe. Well, I want to read to you guys a scripture. This comes from Matthew 6. It's a very familiar passage of scripture that Jesus is talking to his disciples about prayer. But This is from the message translation and it reads like this. Matthew 6, 5, I believe it's in in your notes there. Jesus said, and when you come before God, don't turn that into a theatrical production either. All these people making a regular show out of their prayers, hoping for stardom, do you think God sits in a box seat? Here's what I want you to do, find it quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God and you'll begin to sense his grace. The world is full of so-called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. They're full of formulas and programs and advice, peddling techniques for getting what you want from God. Don't fall into that nonsense. This is your Father you're dealing with. And he knows better than you what you need. With a God like this loving you, you can pray very simply like this. Our Father in heaven, reveal who you are. Set the world right. Do what's best as above, so below. Keep us alive with three square meals. Keep us forgiven with you and forgiving others. Keep us safe from ourselves and the devil. You're in charge. You can do anything you want. You are a blaze in beauty. Yes, yes, yes. In prayer, there is a connection between what God does and what you do. And I think that last little line there in the message translation is really a great understanding of what prayer is. In prayer, there is a connection between what God does and what we do. You see, I think prayer is less about how to and more about the who. Yes, prayer is relationship with God. Well, this is the start of the year, and this is a great time to talk about prayer. And we do something every year at the beginning of the year at one chapel called Seek First. And at the first year, I can think of nothing better to do than to go to God first in prayer. We don't want our ideas. We don't want our agenda. We want to know what God wants us to know. And we want to be everything that God wants us to be. We need to seek Him first. And we're gonna be doing something very, very special starting tomorrow morning. We're gonna meet here at 6:30 AM. Yes. AM. I know some of you don't realize that there is only but one 30 in the day. I know some of you are like that, but you know what? There is a 630 AM. And for one hour every day this week, we're going to gather here. We're going to have a little bit of worship. We're going to have some individual prayer, and we're going to pray together. And we're going to seek the Lord together. And then on Friday night, we're going to gather at One Chapel Austin for a night of worship. And you know, we've been up here in Liberty Hill for three months. And there maybe are some of you that have never got to experience the one chapel universe together. This would be a great time for you to do it in a worship night. It's going to be so much fun. And then, if you're really bold and really brave, we're going to have an all-night prayer meeting on Friday night. Seek first. This is a new year. It's a new journey. And in this series, in the next couple weeks, hopefully we can bring some clarity to what prayer really is. And maybe even demystify it a little bit and help you to understand stand. it is like Pete Grieg in his book says, prayer, it's for normal people. Normal people just like you and just like me. And who knows, maybe 2020 is the year that God gets in a little bit deeper and your life changes for good. I'll tell you a quick story. When I was 15 years old, I was kind of at the age, you, you know, you're, you're longing for your driver's license, right? You're longing for some freedom to get out there and to have some independence, to have some adventure. And I can remember uh, longing for that, but it, I didn't have my license yet, so I would go off behind my parents' home. They had some wood, a wooded area back behind their home, and I would go in there and I would just explore And there were hills and valleys and trees and boulders and and there was a creek and there was a ravine. And if you went far enough back in there and explored enough you would find this old abandoned railroad track that, that I would love to walk on. And then you'd walk on that railroad track for a ways. And, and it was not used anymore, so it was kind of rusty and old. And I used to think, man, who who used to ride on this? I mean, where, where did this go? You know, it was just kind of mysterious a little bit. And then you'd go a little bit further, and you'd find this, this deep ravine, and it was still in the woods. But then all of a sudden, you'd come out to this place where it got louder, and it was louder because there was a huge four-lane interstate highway that would go over this ravine with cars just whizzing by just as fast as they could. And I was always so amazed at how you could be in the woods, secluded, see, you know, deer walking through, and then all of a sudden be out where it was just like this massive loud highway with people whizzing by just, just, just at every second. And I, I loved it. I thought it was really, really fascinating. And I kind of think that may be a little bit of a picture of what we see prayer is like, depending on where you're at. See, sometimes prayer is like, like hills and valleys and new, new trails, and you're kind of out there on your own, and you're, you're traversing new ground where you've never been before. Sometimes it's like that in prayer. Sometimes it's like that old abandoned railroad track where you're studying the old ways And you're on this path that maybe people have traversed before, but it's kind of a mystery. And you're kind of on this little journey. And then maybe sometimes prayer is like the interstate highway with people just buzzing quick. I mean, we've had prayers. You have times of prayer of desperation where you just help God. You know, it's 911 prayer. It's just fast. And it's just buzzing by. And I think that there is some truth and some reality to all those kind of prayers. But the truth of the matter is this, is no matter where you're at, if it feels like wilderness, an old path that you're studying, or just desperation prayer, help me God, we all need to have a roadmap. We need to have a map of where to go. In fact, the disciples even asked Jesus, Jesus, how do we pray? And guess what? He gave them a map. In fact, you know it really, really well. In fact, let's read it together. It's called the Lord's Prayer. We're going to put it up on the screen here. In fact, let's just say this together. You probably can even say this from memory, all right? The Lord's Prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, how many of you have heard that before, said that before? Churches all across America are saying that prayer. This is a roadmap that Jesus gave to his disciples and gave to us to teach us how to to pray. And we're going to be studying this roadmap for the next few weeks. Now, there's a couple of things that stand out to me. Is do you notice that Jesus's map is pretty simple? It's not complicated, it's easy to use. And I think he did that on purpose because he knew that he was giving this to some people that were very accustomed to a lot of prayer and a lot of long prayer that lasted a long time and was very religious. And I think he was kind of cutting across that and saying, this is not necessarily the way that it has to be. It's very simple. It's very non-religious. In fact, I'm gonna give you a little acronym to kind of help you understand that I think we can find in there that's just an acronym for the word pray, P-R-A-Y, P, pause. You gotta pause, you gotta stop. Stop. You gotta stop before God. Life is busy. It's crazy. You have to stop. Pause. R is rejoice. That's being thankful. thanking God, giving him honor for who he is. The A is ask. That's asking for yourself, for other people. Asking for yourself, petition. Asking for other people is intercession. And then the Y is yield. Maybe the most important part of all, that is when you listen. And you listen for what God has. Pray. It's very simple. Well, we need the map just like the disciples do because we will have moments just like them. They had doubt. We have doubt. God, are you really there? God, I need a miracle. God, is there more? You know, James said this, James 5.13, Are you hurting? Pray. Pray. Paul said this, Philippians 4.6, don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. Now, I don't know exactly where everybody in this room is at with prayer. My guess is, is that you know it. You understand it. But my guess is maybe like the disciples, you would also be saying, Lord, Teach me more. Teach me how. And maybe you're on the trail and you're going through the journey, going through the wilderness. Maybe that's what prayer is like for you or maybe you're studying the old path or maybe you are in a desperate situation where it's 911 highway prayer, help me Lord. And you need the fast line to God. No matter where you're at, I think that there are three things I'm gonna give to you that we must understand when it comes to prayer. So here you go. You can write these there in your notes. Number one is this. Keep it simple. Keep it simple. In fact, you know, Jesus actually warns against getting overcomplicated in prayer. I mean, he said it in that passage from Matthew that I just read, and I'm going to say it again just because I think it cracks me up every time I read it. I love the way he said this. And when you come before God, don't turn that into a theatrical production either. All these people making a regular show or their prayers hoping for stardom, do you think God sits in box seats? I mean, my goodness, find a quiet, secluded, secluded place. Go there simply and honestly before God. You see, God knows you better than you know yourself. God knows your situation better than you see it right now. And I know that starting the year, you're wanting to find clarity about your situation. Would you take comfort in the fact that the person that you can talk to very simply knows everything? And he knows you. And guess what? He even knows the future. I don't know about you, but I take great comfort in that. I don't have to put on a show before God because he knows it all anyway. Another cool thing I think about prayer is there's really few rules. There's really not a lot of rules. You can pray anytime you want to. You can pray as soon as you wake up in the morning. You can pray when you're driving. You can pray when you're in the shower. You can pray when you're going to work, when you're at work. You know, there's, you know, people talk about how back in the the old days, it was a common practice in public school for there to be prayer. In public school, it was very, very common. And then you know, it happened to where that, that was taken out legally to where you couldn't pray. And my contention has been is I don't think prayer ever left. I prayed in school all the time. Anytime there's going to be a test, I would pray. I mean, <laughs> I mean you, got, you got to pray. Pray. As long as they're going to give tests in school, there's going to be prayer, folks. I'm telling you. You pray. You know, you know what? You don't have to close your eyes to pray. You can. It helps you focus but you can do it. You don't have to have a certain posture to pray. You can get on your knees. I do that sometimes. You can't get on your face before, before God. I had a youth pastor that I knew. He said, he said, man, that guy needs some carpet time. He needs to suck rug, I think is what he said. And what he was saying is he needed to get down on his face and get before God. You can do that. I do that sometime, but you don't have to. You can be in places where it doesn't even look like you're praying, but you are. You can do it any place and any time. God invites you to speak with him simply, directly, and truthfully. You see, because of Jesus, because of the Holy Spirit, his presence is here. And you can talk to him anytime. I love what author Anne Lamont says in her book. In the get this, the title of this book is really says it all. I'm not a fast reader, so I've read a lot of books about a quarter of the way through. But one of the things i found is is they spend a lot of time on the chapter titles. So if you read the chapter titles, you're going to get a lot of what it's saying. I think this is what I like about her book is I think you pretty much get it from the title. Here's here's what it is. The title of her book is Help, Thanks, and Wow, the Three Essential Prayers. And she argues that those are really, when it all boils down to it, those are the three prayers that we all need. Help. Thanks, and wow. I like it. I like it. Keep it simple is number one. Number two is keep it real. Keep it real. Thomas Merton, who's a monk, a Trappist monk, said this, God is far too real to be met anywhere other than in reality. God is far too real to be met anywhere other than reality. You know what? We have to be real before God. We've got to be honest. I said just a little while ago, he knows you better than you know yourself, so why hide? There's no mask that you have to wear. There's no mask that you should wear. Here's the sad thing, is I do know that many people still are not honest with God. Many people hide. Many people want to put on a religious front, they want to make sure their prayers are cleaned up and the right words or the right prayers. Have you ever heard, ever heard someone say, well, I'm not, I'm not sure how to pray. I'm not sure the right words to say. It doesn't matter the words. Can you talk? Can you communicate? God is here. You can talk to him. You can pray. You can communicate. I think that honest, uncensored prayer before God is prayer that is very, very close to God. Now, I'm gonna tell you a story about my most memorable prayer meeting. It was just me and God, and it was in a park about 10 years ago, in fact, almost exactly 10 years ago. And you know, one chapel Liberty Hill, we've had this campus open for what, three months now? And you know, we're we're all getting to know each other really well. We're a family, we're we're you're getting to know me, and I'm getting to know you, you're getting to know each other. And Can I just ask, do we know each other well enough for me to just be really honest with you about my prayer meeting with God? I heard a yes, so I'm going to say, okay, I'm going to do it anyway. I'm just going to be honest. Thank you, Peter. I'm just going to go for it, all right? I'm going to be honest. This was one of the most real prayer meetings I have had with God, and it came at a time that was very, very dark in my life. I had a lot of relationships that I was very close to at the time that they were going away. I had some people that had done some things to me that were just really, really bad and really rough, and, and I was very, very hurt. I had a, a job situation that was getting ready to end, and my life was, getting, was was basically turned upside down, and I was pretty mad at God because I felt like I was doing exactly what he wanted me to do, and I felt like he had not kept his end of the deal. I felt like I, was, I had done everything that he had asked me to do, and I was trying to do it the right way, and he was not showing up when he needed to show up; It felt like he had left the room, and I was out in this park, and I was going along this path, and I was praying and It started out very like all my normal prayer meetings would go before, maybe some you know reading some scripture and and maybe worshiping a little bit. But then I started talking to God, and I started getting really mad at God, and I started throwing my hard stuff at him, my hard questions, and I can remember. It got so real. There were on the path in this park that I was at, there were all these little pecans. I think they were pecans that were all over the path. And as I was, I kind of started like stomping a little bit and I started like smashing these pecans, I'm like, darn it, God. And I started cussing at God. I'm not a cusser, I don't do that. I'm a Christian, I don't believe in using bad words. But man, I was so mad. I was so real. There were a few that were coming out because I was just getting real with God and I was stepping on those things and saying, like, God, where are you? I'm gonna tell you, it was the most real and intense prayer meeting that I ever had in my life. And you wanna know what I found out? Is that even when you cuss and stomp on pecans and are mad at God, you wanna know something? He is still there. In fact, he's maybe even more real because he's like, okay, finally, now we can do something. You're willing to be open with me. You're willing to be honest. Psalm 55, 17 says this. This will blow you away. Evening and morning and at noon, I will complain and murmur, and he will hear my voice. Prayer can even be complaining and murmuring. In fact, if you look at some of the Bible's greatest figures, greatest characters, they did a lot of murmuring and complaining. Jacob wrestled with God. And he was touched by a way, he was actually handicapped by God because of his wrestling that lasted for the rest of his life. Moses, oh my goodness, was a whiner. He whined. Numbers 11, 11, look at this. Why are you treating me this way? What did I ever do to deserve this? Did I conceive them? Was I their mother? This sounded like a conversation in my house with my teenagers a couple weeks ago. I mean, this is Moses. They're not here, so I can say that. (laughs) Moses was a whiner, but he was Moses, okay? Jeremiah was a ranter, okay? Jeremiah, Jeremiah 27, oh, Lord, you have deceived me, and I was deceived. You have overcome me and prevailed. I've become a laughingstock all day long. Everyone mocks me. The great C.S. Lewis, Christian author from many, many years ago, said this about prayers. What seems our worst prayers may really be, in God's eyes, our best. Those, I mean, which are least supported by devotional feeling. These perhaps come from a deeper level than feeling." God sometimes seems to speak to us most intimately when he catches us, as it were, off our guard. Number two is keep it real. You know, funny little, a little side note to my stomping the pecans and cursing at God. Do you want to know something kind of funny that happened? I guess one of those pecans I stomped too hard and I rolled my ankle over fell right down to the ground, spray my ankles, and I was on crutches for two weeks. You know, God has a sense of humor as well. <laughs> and you know what I got to do when I was on those crutches and laying in bed for two weeks? I got to hang out with God some more and pray some more, okay? Keep it simple. Keep it real. And the last one, number three, is keep it up. Keep it up. What do I mean by that? Luke 18:1 says this, then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and never give up. We should never give up in prayer. Now, why did Jesus have to tell a parable to teach them never to give up? It's because they, just like us, get discouraged. We have experiences that disappoint. We have heartaches that we have over delayed prayer. Over unanswered prayer, and it's so easy for us to lose heart. It's tempting just to give up, Lord. I don't want to do it anymore. I'm wasting my time. I could be using my time so much more valuable. No, never give up. Keep it up. Never give up. Frank Lubach, who was a missionary, said this about praying: Pr- praying, he says, is like throwing stones into a swamp. When you throw a stone in a swamp, it sinks down, never to be seen again. And sometimes prayer is like that. We pray, we don't hear anything, we don't see anything, and it seems to sink away without being noticed. But if we don't give up, you keep throwing those stones in the swamp, and over time they begin to build up. And pretty soon you have a solid ground that is built. We should never, ever give up praying. I kind of like to say it like this. I think we need to have the Garth Brooks revelation. Garth Brooks. You know, you know Garth Brooks, the singer, for those of you who don't know? Okay, so Garth Brooks, country singer, had this song that talked about, I thank God for unanswered prayers. Okay, it's the story. He goes, to, he goes with his wife to the, the carnival or rodeo or whatever Garth Brooks does. Can't even remember the song now, and he sees his old high school flame, and at that moment he thanks God for unanswered prayers. I think that's a great revelation that we need to have. You know, with God, the answers for our prayers it's really pretty much one of three things: yes, no, or not now. And a lot of times it's not now. Why is that? Because He knows us better than we know ourselves, and He knows what truly is best for us. Keep it simple, keep it real, and keep it up. Final story I want to tell you about prayer is this. True story, there was a successful advertising um, uh, executive that became a Christian. And he told his pastor, he said, I'm going to go to church, but I'm too busy to pray. I know it's easy for you, but I don't have any extra time to fit it in. You don't understand. I'm very I'm very busy. I know, Pastor, it's easy for you. You only work on Sunday, and you can pray all day, you know, all week. All you just do is sit and drink lattes at the coffee shop and pray. That's all you got to do. But not me. I'm busy. I'm an advertising executive. I'm busy. I've got stuff to do. I've got clients to meet. I've got... Thanks for laughing, by the way. I appreciate that. That was meant to be a joke. If you hadn't laughed, I would have been really worried. (laughs) But he said, sorry, don't have time. I don't know. Maybe there's somebody in this room that maybe you feel that way if you'd be really honest. It's like, man, I don't know if I got time to pray, to sit down and stop everything and pray. You don't know how busy I am. You don't know what I've got. But I'm gonna challenge that just like this pastor challenged the executive, and the pastor said this. He said, you know, I've always managed to make time for things that I think are very valuable, and I would challenge you to do it because I think prayer, spending time with God in prayer is valuable. So the, the ad executive took a tart, and he decided, okay, I'll do it. So here's what he did. He bought a really nice rocking chair, and he set it next to a window in his home and he decided to get up 20 minutes earlier and spend that 20 minutes reading his Bible and praying. And what started is just a simple act of, I'm gonna give it a shot, started a simple daily rhythm that wound up lasting for the rest of his life. When he first started having this time, this prayer time with God, his wife and his colleagues began to notice a difference in him. They noticed he was less scattered, he was more peaceful, he was kinder. That rocking chair was becoming a sacred place. Well, days turned into months, and months turned into years, and years turned into decades, and he was starting a daily discipline that became a holy habit. In fact, one time in that chair, he felt like the Lord told him, hey, it's time to to quit your job, sell your home, and relocate, and he did. He relocated to help a church in another state and it was a moment of great change for he and his family that changed everything. and It launched them into a very, very fruitful and remarkable and faith-filled time in their life. Well, many years later, the same man with his prayer time in his rocking chair learned that he was diagnosed with a very aggressive form of cancer. But even through that hard time, he kept his appointments with God and he went to that chair. Well, as you can imagine, months later, at the day of his funeral, a friend that was visiting their home caught his wife gazing at his empty rocking chair. And they asked her, what are you gonna do with the chair now? And she said, without hesitation, oh, we're gonna pass it down to our children and our grandchildren. And she said, I love to think of them sitting in the way my husband did, unburdening their hearts, listening to the Lord and letting Him shape and direct their lives. As we close, my question to you is this. Where is your rocking chair? Do you have a place where you can meet with your heavenly Father? Father? Do you have a space in your life when you can talk to the one who designed you, brought you into this world, and gave up his only son so that he could be your best friend? That's the kind of person you want to spend time with. That, my friends, is what prayer is. It can be anywhere. You don't have to have a rocking chair can be walking your dog every morning. It can be going to your favorite coffee shop. It can be in a classroom or a workplace before anyone arrives. It can be in your car as you drive to work. It can be anywhere God wants it to be where you can meet with him. Now, I love Seek First Week because a couple years ago, Seek First Week changed my life. I mean, I've been a believer for a long time, but when we had this start of the year, time where we seek the Lord, I decided that I wanted to give God my first, my first time. And at that time, I worked at a job where I had to get up really early. So I had to get up really early to give him some time at the beginning of the day, but I did it. And it was tough. It was hard. But that moment turned into a discipline that has changed my life, I'm going to tell you, I cannot imagine starting my day without, a, without those mo- first few moments with God, without that time of being, just simply being real and honest before him so that he can speak into my life. It honestly changed my life. My question to you is this, where is your space? Where is your time to seek the Lord? Thanks for joining us today. If God is doing something in your life, or you're looking for ways to get connected, you can learn about groups, teams, and more at onechapel.com welcome. You can subscribe to future messages from One Chapel on your favorite podcast player. And of course, you're always invited to services every Sunday morning at 9 and 11. See you next time.